I'm Jordan Hagedorn. And I'm John Kim. And this is Sneaker Salaries, a deep dive look at sneaker news and sneaker culture with insights from those that live the passion and the lifestyle of sneakers. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sneaker Salaries. On today's show, we have a good friend of mine, Gerard Smith, aka G-Rock. He is the founder of the sneaker blog, theshoegame.com. Gerard, welcome, man. Thank you for having me. What's going on, John? Jordan, how y'all living? How you doing? So G-Rock, we all have a history here. We do. We obviously work with Sneaker News. You work with The Shoe Game, but uh, competitors, but at the same time, very friendly. We'll get mm-hmm. into that in a little bit. I met you when I was working at East Bay and you and John connected at an event. But uh, let's start with your origin story. Let's talk about a little bit of your background, where you're from, how you got into sneakers and, and kind of how you started out on your path to where you are today. Cool. So like I said, Gerard Smith from Atlanta, Georgia. And I started the shoe game September 2006. Uh, I won't give you guys like the super long-winded story, but I was selling on eBay uh, under a name Shady G-Rock. And I was supposed to be starting this website that I could do e-commerce, basically move my inventory and my clientele from eBay to a .com. Now, at this time, we're talking NT, ISS, before the blog era. Uh, I had a connection with a Jordan rep in Atlanta and I would leak Jordan samples. And me and Snuggles McDougal, if you guys remember them, um, we had the same connect. And I would leak those images and they started to surface on Nike Talking ISS. So I say that to say somebody bought ShadyGRock.com. The shoe game was supposed to be called ShadyGRock.com, but somebody bought it. And so I was like, dang, okay, what do, what do we do now? Uh, so shout out to my brother-in-law. He was like, well, it's, it's the shoe game. You're talking about shoes, right? It's the shoe game. So we do the shoe game and it's supposed to be this online site. Around that time, you started to see blog surface, Hypebeast, Hot Somebody. Uh, and the first sneaker blog that I remember was Kick Fiend. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I was like, yo, I want a section like this on my site. Like, I want to sell shoes, but I want this portal thing where I could do this information. Long story short, like I said, I put the e commerce thing to the side and I had this thing called a blog. At that time, we just still thought it was a website because if you had a dot com, it was just a website. Uh, but I had a, a sneaker blog and it just snowballed into a thing that turned into be a business. Um, but it was just pure passion in the beginning. So trust me when I say that was the short version. But that's how I got started. That's where I'm from. Oh, I'm sure we're, we're definitely going to touch on some of the, the nuances of that story. But, you know, this is another Snuggles McDougal shout out. Oh, this is only the second time in our podcast that Snuggles McDougal's name's popped up. He's mm-hmm. he's a, he's like a myth. So we'll just leave it at that. But For sure. It's interesting to see that, you know, you obviously love sneakers. Like, every, I think everyone who knows you knows that you love sneakers. You love the trainer, SE High. You, you know, you put on for Atlanta and all that. But you really saw, like, there was that business aspect, you know? And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, eBay selling. So for a lot of people who aren't too aware, like, what was selling sneakers on eBay like in, like, the early, mid-2000s? It was interesting. For me, it was a lot of fun because I kind of started selling on eBay by accident. And what I mean by that is when I got an introduction to eBay through a friend of mine, we were buying around this time, 2002, we were buying, I mean, I guess it was 10 years old, so we considered it vintage, right? So I was trying to buy Dion's, Barry Sanders, uh, Junior Sales, stuff that I had, Griffey's back when I was in elementary school. And so once I saw that people were reselling that, I started sneaker hunting in Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, just wherever I would go, looking for old stock. And I was like, yo, there's a market because here I am trying to purchase these sneakers from various sellers throughout the country. For me, selling sneakers on eBay at that time, it was just this unknown or untapped culture where, yes, I was a reseller, but I never, I don't even know that the term reseller 
was used like that. Like it was just a person who loved sneakers and I sold sneakers out of passion. Uh, because what I didn't say is before TSG, I was really focusing on trying to start a boutique in Atlanta because around 2005, 2006, we had a few boutiques, prestigious, which of course is still around and then some boutiques that didn't make it. But I really wanted to fill a void that I felt was missing in the city. Uh, so I was just using that as a platform to kind of build a name up for myself and sell sneakers at a brick and mortar. But I was just starting online and kind of just doing it as fun. I still even didn't look at it as a business. It was just like, I'm going to sneaker hunt. I can use the profits to fund my habit within sneakers. And that's pretty much how it was. But it was a world of discovery because I found out about Nike SB through eBay before Nike talking ISS. Um, yeah, it was, it was an untapped market and a learning experience of this world of shoes and being able to find these things that you felt like didn't even exist anymore, right? 10 years ago in 2003, it was 1993. I was in the fifth grade. And it's like, wow, I could buy a pair of Dion's Diamond Turfs in my adult size. That was pretty cool. To, and especially this is before Nike went on the retro rampage. Like you're wearing these shoes before they even started retro and sneakers. So talk about like breaking necks and making your presence known when you went to an event or something, wherever you were. You make a great point about the hunt, right? That's something we all strive for is just finding these crazy sneakers. You hear stories about guys going to these vintage stores or these old Asian guys that have stores and they're in the back closet or in the basement. And, you know, I can relate to, to kind of the hunt, right? So the same time you were rolling on eBay and kind of getting to know it, I'm sure John was too. I remember buying and selling vintage Air Jordans on eBay, restoring them, fixing them up. You remember Air Fob was a guy on eBay. He was he was restoring shoes and uh, Andy Nguyen, you know, uh, awesome guy. So from there though, when did it get serious? You know, that's a that's a key key moment there because I remember too. I went to the local skateboarding shop and a buddy of mine had it, and there were Ray Gun Dunks, and mm -hmm. he was like, "I know these are cool, but like you can probably do more with them." So he flipped those to me for like under retail, like because at bulk, and I sold them for like triple retail or something just crazy, right? And that was like a key moment for me to be like, "Whoa, if I just have the right connection or I find the right thing, I just made like two grand or something," you know. And as a seventeen, eighteen year old kid in high school in o two, o three, o four. That was crazy to me. And that's when I knew it would be serious for me and that I knew if I could build the right relationships, it would get crazy. So on your end, you know, it wasn't even a business at that point. You flipped some shoes, you were hunting for shoes. At what point did it get to be where you're like, damn, there's something here that I need to explore? I feel like 04, 05, I really found out that I had cultivated like a reputation and a following amongst power seller rankings on eBay and getting invited to seminars and stuff like I was like, okay, I'm actually doing something. I would get like little like honorary certificates sent to me. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm doing something. But mind you, at this time, I'm still not looking at eBay as this business platform. I'm very much so making money, but I'm really focusing on trying to eventually get this sneaker store. Uh, but to answer your question, I, was, I would say around 04, 05, at any given time, you could look at my listings and I would have like 30, 40 listings at a time. And I think this was before eBay really had the fixed rate. This was, I was still heavy on like the auction side, like people bidding. And I had this thing where I never did not want to have something for sale. So when something was getting ready to end, I uploaded new auctions so that I always had something in stock. So yeah, I would say around 04, 05. So you kind of built like this around the clock, you know, business on eBay, you know, always having something new, something interesting, something rare. At the same time, you're kind of gaining some notoriety on, you know, the forums because, you know, your photos are being leaked, you know, from like the Jordan rep. 
and then you decide to flip the shoe game not only just into not just from a transactional portal but into like a li- like a culture portal where you're reporting news right mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what it primarily became and i think for sneaker news um that's kind of how the origins were as well where we wanted a platform to kind of show off some dope ebay finds and then it became you know a destination to find out what's next and in some ways it kind of replaced forums because i think mm-hmm. you know forums in general is a very antiquated form of you know internet property i guess and then when we fast forward to like the the late 2000s early 2010s is you know what i like to call like the wild west of sneaker blog days where mm-hmm. you know everyone was coming out to these events and and whatnot so let me tell the the audience just a little story this is my 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 first meeting with uh with uh, g-rock since it was so competitive i just had this like preconceived notion that you know what everyone's your enemy not like your enemy but they're your competition you know what i mean and they're gonna try to kill you and you gotta try to kill them and i remember um the first event that i went to that had just the sneaker blogs when i mean just the sneaker blogs meaning that there were some other events where they flew in media from everywhere like you know tech media sports media but this was just sneaker blog media and this was chris paul's jordan cp35 launch event in la it was january i remember it was really hot in LA and like frigid cold in New York. You know, they had the event in an abandoned loft in downtown LA. And that's where I met, I think you, I met uh, George from Nice Kicks. I met, um, I mean, I I had known him before, but Nick, uh, Nick DePaula from Soul Collector and whatnot. And again, you know, me just being the New York guy, I just kind of had my like chest puffed out, you know, I had my, my, my grill on, but I think by the end of the trip, like, we like I was I loved all you guys you know because it was just like you know what we're we're being flown out here to talk about shoes we're being wined and dined by Jordan Brand just to show them some love on a pair of shoes that weren't that nice and you know we've made lifelong friends so w- what's your recollection of that event and of meeting me for the first time I I have a pretty good memory I feel like we stayed in Hollywood and it was, it was obviously beautiful LA weather. I'm sitting outside or maybe you're sitting outside eating like breakfast and like either one of us were like by ourselves. I can't remember. And then the introduction came. And like he said, like he, he just had like this F all y'all type attitude. Like he's like, that's the energy I'm coming with. I'm here to represent sneaker news. I'm gonna get the content. I'm gonna go back home and get it up first. Cause that's what the blogs is all about. Everybody was trying to beat the next outlet to get it up first. Right. And I, I don't know, we just had like this like first little five minute conversation John was like, put the guard down. He's like, oh, this dude isn't my enemy. Like, he's super cool. And we're not even talking like, oh, I mean, we introduced ourselves, but it wasn't like us having, because we already knew who we were. He didn't have to tell me who Sneaker News was. I didn't have to tell him who the shoe game was. So it's like, no, who are you as a person? He's like, oh, I'm from New York. Is that the third? Oh, I'm from Atlanta, man. And we just, everything else. And we, I think we went to like Undefeated and we were just walking around and hanging out. I think that might've been my first time going to In-N-Out. Overrated, by the way, but shout out In-N-Out. I'll probably get flamed for that comment. But yeah, I, I just remember it being like that. It was just a little mild tension. And then it's like immediately like the guard was down because it's like, oh, this dude doesn't want to harm me. He's he's a cool dude. And and also, too, you would think that us being men, you know, egos, entitlement, that you're going to come in a room with that energy and high and mighty. And it was like, nah, like, I'm just a regular dude. Like, we built what we built. But outside of that, we still are just humans at the end of the day. And I think we both saw that immediately and there was no need for me to be macho and for John to feel a way to feel intimidated or any of that. It was just, it was super cool. And, and we've been super cool since then, like straight up. 
I've heard John talk a lot about the people he knows in the industry. And, and we, of course, meet people at different sneaker blogs and brands and things. And it kind of reminds me of the NBA, right? You have LeBron and Chris Paul and Anthony Davis at the time on a different team. These guys are all competing and they're cutthroat competitors. They've been the best at what they do for a long time, but they all come together when they're on the all-star team. They have this camaraderie. And, and there are some guys that don't like each other for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some people in the sneaker world that, that we're maybe not too fond of as well, just because more than anything, not that they're a competitor, but actually the content of their character. So that's one thing I, I've, uh, John has always talked good about you and, and a few of the other guys in the industry that you guys have great chemistry because you're pretty much doing the same thing. You're on the same mission. You're trying to serve the sneaker world and you guys are running parallel. So I think it's super fascinating. I mean, G rock, I'd love to hear on your end, you know, can you talk about some of that, the camaraderie in the sneaker world with other guys and, and even just touch on kind of your ability to come together with guys like that and, and what that, what, how meaningful is that? I mean, what does that mean to you? How, how fruitful has that been for you in your time owning a sneaker blog? No, that's, that's important. Cause I think there haven't been many platforms like this for people that's on the outside to listen about how things operated within the early days of us coming up and competing. Uh, because I think a lot of people looked at us like we were enemies are like, like you said, competitors that just didn't get along uh, but for me, I honestly could say that I always got along with everybody except, and if we could just, you know, if, if I have the, the platform to just be honest here, um, I don't want to hold back. I think, not I think, people that I did have issues with early on was uh, Brian over at um, Sneaker Files. He, and it was just, like you said, his character. He was just doing a lot of shady stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like ripping content and just stuff that I didn't appreciate. And then Khan. Over at Kicks on Fire, we had issues early on. Brian, we never really, I'm not mad anymore, but we never became like, I'm not going to front like we were ever cool. Khan, we were never friends, but we got to a place where he apologized and said how young he was and stuff like that. But with the exception of those two guys, like I always got along with everybody um, that was the in, in ownership or any type of leadership at these platforms. Because again, if you conduct yourself with good character, uh, and it necessarily mean that you're a perfect person, but if you if you're not you know out here walking around and being an asshole, there's really not a reason for anybody to dislike you. You know, compete at a high level, but keep it at that. You know, what I'm saying you don't have to be out here doing shady stuff and doing backhanded stuff. And although everybody was competitive, and I'm sure y'all have stories, there have been some shysty and shady moments within you know proper sourcing and all that type of stuff. I think at the end of the day, everybody knows that we were just competing. And if you conducted yourself as a good individual, then people were going to respect you, one, because they saw value and they saw that what you were contributing to the game. So respect came with that. So I, I appreciate that because it's been very fruitful and beneficial to be able to hit up John and even you, Ming, or something and be like, yo, I actually need a favor. I need help. If John can help me, he will help. It's been, you know, it's, it's, you could do what you can do, but John has never not at least tried to entertain and hear what I needed help with. Um, and I appreciate that because, you know, it was like you said, it was sometimes some bloggers, you, they're not, they're not as cool. Like everybody doesn't have that story like me where they can say that they were pretty much cool. Like I could be in the room with all these owners and it not be any tension or me pretend that I don't see you and act like it's high school. Like I, I, I'm a grown man. Even then, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't want to ever give off that type of energy because I like either, either I rock with you or I don't. And I can proudly say that with the exception of the two people that I mentioned very early on, which one, by the way, I never met in person. Khan, we met, I don't know, 2011 or something like that. And it was what it was up until then. But even moving forward, we still were able to get on the phone and have a conversation. And to me, I feel like that was beneficial because I could talk directly to somebody if I needed something. 
I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I really do wish that in the midst of us being so competitive, I don't think we realized how powerful we were as a media platform because it never existed. Like John said, we replaced forums and now in a way social media is trying to somewhat replace the traditional form of media, even though we're still connected to both. But man, if we would have came together as a, as a unit, oh my God, like the mafia, we could have we just moved, I mean, minus no killing or any, any violence, but just the way we were being handled by brands. And I'm not saying that from a place of arrogance, it's just a place of fact. Like we controlled the narrative and the communication, the demand, the energy, the visibility. And even when you think about us getting flown out, like our egos were getting stroked because we were like, man, this billion dollar company just flew us out and you feel so good. But I think we eventually arrived to a place like, wait, they need us more than we need them. Like we should be getting paid for this. You know what I'm saying? But again, that's hindsight. That's another conversation. Yes. But of course, I do wish that we did form some type of uh, coalition. But go ahead. Well, yeah, let me jump in here. So, you know, I sat in the sneaker news office with John for for over five years and we talked about a lot of stuff you're talking about, whether it's brands or the power of social media. And, and you know, when I got there, Sneaker News had 1.4 million followers on Instagram. We're now creeping on 10 million, right? Mm-hmm. And so that growth and that power and that ability to push. John, I want you to talk a little bit about G-Rock because whenever we're talking in the office, we're talking about blogs we don't mess with. We're talking about blogs we do, people we don't mess with, people we do mess with. And we kind of all think about uh, what that looks like. John has spoken so highly of you over all the years, you know, and I knew of you and we met a little bit when I was at East Bay, but John, can you talk about your respect for G-Rock, kind of how that's, but, but more importantly, actually how that is earned in this this culture. It's obviously being good to people, but it's also the quality of his content on his site was always on point. And there's something interesting about uh, being able to give him a peek behind that curtain while we have him on here. First and foremost, I respected the shoe game because, you know, they told it like it is. You know, they're not going to, you know, put lipstick on a pig. You know, if they didn't like a shoe, it was made very, very clear. So that's why I really, really respected the shoe game. But why I like Gerard is because anyone who really knows me knows that I'm very picky with who I like to talk to. You know, I'm, I keep my circle very, very close. If there's, there's something about the, a person that I don't like, I just immediately shut down. I'm, I'm kind of like that. But with Gerard, like he and I can just talk for hours and hours. And that, since that's so rare, it's like I know this guy is not, doesn't have any like ulterior motives. He just wants to talk sneakers talk life i mean whenever we do talk it's probably like 40 percent sneakers and 60 percent life and that i think is pretty rare so i think that's why i just always respected him and uh always you know saw him as a friend and a big reason why i invited him to be on the podcast because you know i think that he deserves more of a voice you know we did have a very small but very powerful mafia of sneaker writers you know and it, it was a thing yes there probably could have been an opportunity for all of us to kind of get together and form something. But, you know, in hindsight, like it probably wouldn't happen. But even Oscar from Modern Notoriety said that, you know, sneaker blogs and men's culture blogs, like even Hypebeast and High Snob, like we were the original, you know, PR agencies for sneaker brands. You know what I mean? And now you have all these other agencies coming in and changing things up and whatnot. But it's it's just really about like respect, you know? And I think for me, if I, I respect people with what they do and then there's, if I like that person, Personally, I think with Gerard, it was like a combination of both, which is why, you know, I still fuck with him. You know, there's a lot of people that I respect in this secret industry that I have no desire to speak to. And there's people that I could probably have a chat with or a beer with, but just don't really want to talk to the industry with them. You know what I mean? But with Gerard, it's it's kind of like both of that. And you know what? The people that are still kind of remaining today are the ones who kind of fit that bill. You know, it's either 
they don't really have that key of an eye on sneakers, which is why they fizzled out. Or just, they're just kind of like dickheads, you know, and that's why they fizzled out. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to name any names, but there are, some, there are many people in our, in our small circle that were just known to be total dicks. And there are other people that were just known to be like in it for themselves and in it to kind of make their own name, not to really do it for the love of sneakers. You know what I mean? And the the the, the players who are still alive right now are the ones that, you know, always kind of abided by that, you know, and the ones who didn't are the ones who are just not really in the picture anymore, you know. But the future of uh, sneaker media is, is still like a question mark because we're we are connected to both. We are that bridge between the forum era and the social media era right now. It's. All we got to do is show up with a phone to a sneaker media event. You know, yeah. back in the early 2000s, we had to bring, you know, your laptops. You had to bring your power cables. You had to bring your seat cushions so you could sit on the floor. And mm-hmm. you had to you and know, fight ask for the a, front, front row. Try to get that front row. Fight for spot. the front row. <laughs> yeah, I remember you and John were at, at those events wrestling, you know, trying to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let me jump in here real quick. So, you know, on that note, right? So, G Rock, you guys, uh, you've built a reputation as somebody who is. The real deal, right? Somebody who is is always honest and have built great relationships. You know, talk about your love of sneakers in general, and talk about kind of how you sustain that. Right? It's easy to get jaded and kind of fizzle out, and a lot of like John said, a lot of people have. Can you talk about how you sustain your love of sneakers, and and then also what is next for in the sneaker world for you, and and just in general? Man, passion for sure kept me going from the beginning. When I wasn't making any money, when I didn't know that I could make money. Um, blogging about sneakers that was always very wild to me and throughout the years there was a pocket for sure i felt like joining complex network kind of forced me like john was saying i felt like before having like a partnership where like big bucks are now involved you kind of get censored a little bit no one ever censored me and told me what i couldn't say but when you know that there's money involved I feel like that's when TSG went a little PC. Like it, I was very much, I wouldn't say I was wilding, but like John was saying, like I, I had no rules and there was no one that was telling me what I could and what I couldn't say. Um, nor was I always trying to be like impressed, say what the brand wanted me to say. So it was a it was a point where I did get a little jaded for sure, uh, just because I've always had a big issue from the beginning of doing exactly what everyone else is doing. Um, In my mind, I said, our readers are aware. Most of them probably check all the blogs, but I need to give people a reason to check the shoe game. I got to give y'all a reason to respect the shoe game. So I always wanted to have something that was clear differentiator. When you come to the shoe game, you know that you're not on sneaker news or nice kicks. And again, that was never any knock. It was just that we all should have something carved out, which is a reason why the audience gravitates, you know, because if that's the case, if we're all doing the exact same thing, well, why am I checking TSG and Nice Kids? I'm just going to go to Sneaker News. But it, yeah, it was a point where I, fe- I just felt like when social media was starting to creep in, frustration with, with brands and really I, even that, you, you got to watch saying like you got issues with the brands because a lot of times it's not even... It's not the brand as a whole. It's just one or two individuals who control whatever it is that you that they deal with you from a PR standpoint or uh, brand advertising or whatever it is. Um, but still being just frustrated with uh, the emotion of just being like human and business and and feeling like and shout out to y'all for the opportunity and, and, the, and the kind words that you just said, John. But I, I felt like uh, I was always like the underdog and. 
didn't feel like I was getting the the respect at some at some points that I should have been getting from some of the brands. Uh, so dealing with a lot of that, man, was was frustrating and it did make you a little jaded. And I had been doing it for so long, like it's year 15 this year in 2021. Um, but to answer your question, though, man, passion, just that genuine passion, that's something you can't fake. Even when the money started going up and down, it was just that passion. Like, I genuinely love this. I gen- genuinely come from an era before the internet of going to the malls, going down to Walters, seeing shoes in person, trying them on, going sneaker hunting, meaning that it's not a guarantee you're going to find heat, right? You just go and you see what you see, and maybe you see something, maybe you don't. Same thing with the Nike outlet. It's not a guarantee. Um, I think that's the biggest like disconnect with some of the OGs and the younger generation, which is fine. They came up in a different era, but a part of that is just being like, yo, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee you're going to be able to cop a shoe, which is why I never really get into like complaining about it because that's just a part of the game. And it's no guarantee that you're going to be able to find something if you're sneaker hunting or if you go to the outlet. But what drives that is passion. Yeah. So let me let me say this. I want to jump in on that. I mean, part of that sneaker hunt, though, and that ability to push through is that passion, mm-hmm. is that drive. And And honestly, you know, you talk about this and I want to touch on this. You're not alone. I mean, sneaker news has been marginalized by these brands for a lot of years and downplayed as, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll send you a press release. But when it comes to, you know, the invite to an event or, you know, maybe spending some dollars, it doesn't just happen to you. And but I'll tell you this, you know, being on the partnership side, when we break through, it's sweet, you know, and I think there's something beautiful about that and and uh, and hunting for a sneaker or hunting for a deal with a sneaker brand. Mm-hmm. When you strike out, it makes when you hit even that much sweeter. And there's something cool about that, right? And, and and we've seen you persist, right? Can you talk about that persistence and 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 kind of continue to push? And then, yes, what is next for sneakers, for the shoe game, and for the sneaker world in general? We'd love to hear your take. You bring up really good points. I, I thought that John made me feel better having conversations like behind the scenes of him telling me, like you were saying, some of the frustration. I'm like, yo, if they're fronting on y'all, then I definitely see why they're, <laughs> why they're fronting on me because you guys just broke out. Shout out to y'all straight up, like just being able to just break away and be almost at like 10 million. Like you guys got more followers than some like other companies that you would think would have the same amount. But my point of saying that is I was like, yo, if they're fronting on y'all, then I get why they're fronting on me. Not saying that they should be doing either or, but it did make me feel a little bit better because I I always felt like not from an entitlement standpoint, but for y'all, like numbers don't lie. And the power and the reach that the Sneaker News brand, not just Instagram, but the Sneaker News brand has, like you can't deny that. So as long as you guys aren't asking for an uh, unrealistic number, it's like, yo, let's do business. Because I just feel like at this point, y'all positioned yourself to be the go-to when it comes to reach and speaking to as many people as possible. Again, it's, it's in the numbers. So when John was sharing that information about you know his frustration on the back end, I was like, damn, that's... That, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you front on sneaker news? But persistence, man, um, that consistency and and that passion is is challenging, man, because uh, at one point, for a very, very long time, my job didn't seem real. It just like, bro, what, what is this? I, it was even hard for me to explain to like my mom's friends, like, what is it that you do? How do you get paid? And I'm like, bro, I never thought that this was possible that you could start a sneaker blog and turn this into a career I haven't been able to staff as well as Sneaker News, but I, at a point I did have a little very, very small team, but it's pretty much always been me for the most part. 
But it did get frustrating. I don't want to make it seem like for people who have been watching that I may make it look easy. I don't know how, how it's perceived, but it hadn't always been easy. I've been very, very frustrated um, on the back end, especially uh, when things shifted heavy to social media and our mainstream of revenue was like advertising. You don't really see a lot of Under Armour takeovers and Sprite takeovers on these dot coms. They're spending a lot of that um, marketing and advertising on social platforms and and uh, even video content. So in times where it may have seemed like I was still being consistent, I was, hey, I would literally was about to shut it down. Like straight up, I was having conversations behind the scenes like, yo, maybe it's time to sell. Because I've already had a run that I never thought, like it, it was never a plan. It was never a business model to say in 2006, I want to execute these goals. I want to go to Portland. I want to do all these things I never thought was possible. So I was living the dream. So I was like, yo, 12, 13 years in, maybe it's maybe it's time to sit down. So to answer your question about the future, man, I'll be honest, I'm just I'm at a place where right now where I feel like I'm rebuilding because I feel like I came full circle with all of the knowledge and all of my uh mistakes that I made and all the things that I've learned going on 15 years of just finally getting everything. Like I've I've learned so much and you have moments where okay, I get this, I get that, but now I'm completely full circle where I got it. I can have the conversations with brands. And I know exactly what we need to talk about. I'm not trying to sell you. I'm not begging for anything. This is what I can do for you. Either you with it or you not. And it's okay because it's business. I really had to separate that personal and business side because the biggest misconception too, and maybe you guys can agree, is that you start thinking that these brands and these people at these brands are your friends. And some, maybe so. Maybe you Friendly do. though. Friendly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you form something that's legit. Right. But we all have a, yeah. I mean, we all, listen, everybody on this podcast right now have great relationships in, in this industry, mm-hmm. but we're all friendly, but we all have a job to do. For you know, sure. Guys are getting fired left and right and this and that, and things are evolving and COVID and whatever. But I like what you said there, being able to, I wouldn't say separate, but being able to understand, right. Understand what the, the task at hand is, I think mm-hmm. is very important. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at, man. I'm not, I, I don't have, any you know pretty impressive things to say like i'm i'm just glad that i'm still here uh cuz again i never if you would have told me in september 2006 when tsg went live on a html site it wasn't i didn't even have wordpress yet didn't get wordpress until that next month october 2007 if you would have told me all of the things that i've gone on to do and the people that i met i'd be like stop playing how how is this possible little old me from atlanta competing with Guys that are that are that are stationed in New York, the Mecca, Flight Club, and A Life, and and and, and North Recon, and what was it Mike Twenty Three? It was. I mean, you, are you kidding? You could go out in the streets in New York and just create content on street style looks. You know what I'm saying? Like it was very very hard for me to even find out where to start trying to create content, and so to still be here, like I'm I'm grateful, and for me, like I, I I'm honored to say like yo I'm still here. And I'm still even figuring it out 15 years in. And I was in denial, man. Like I, I, It was hard for me to admit that social media had became the new way majority of our readers were consuming content. Because I'm like, yo, we come from the dot-com blog era. Why would I blog on a platform that's not mine when I have online real estate that I own? That was very, very hard. And maybe that was just me getting older. But it was very hard for me to come to that realization that Yo, it is what it is. Like you still could leverage and you still could drive traffic to the dot com, but these younger kids that don't know necessarily who G Rock is are the shoe game dot com. They know the shoe game Instagram page. That's your reality. 
some of the old heads now have gone on and retired and got married and and now their kids are some of the you know kids that may be connected to a sneaker news Instagram page or the shoe game who unfortunately some of them may not care about the history they just want to know the release date they just want to know how much it costs and you have to be okay with that you know and not try to gatekeep so tight because at the end of the day of sneakers I think uh sometimes a lot of us do take that a little too serious because we are so passionate and we've been doing it for so long, but it is still just sneakers. There's a lot more important things in life than just that. And that's not to discredit it, because of course, this is our career. This is how we make a living. But yeah, man, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm rebuilding, laser focused on what I'm trying to do. I know my position. I know my lane. I know my voice. And I'm not trying to outdo anybody. I, I came to that conclusion. Y'all have been so consistent. And when I say y'all, sneakernews.com has been so effing consistent since day one. You got to respect the consistency. And I, I started telling people, I'm like, yo, look, most blogs at a, at a time was 95, 98% sneaker news. It got to a point where it's like, realistically, you're not going to out sneaker news, sneaker news. Stop trying. Stop trying to do it. They're going to beat you every time. So now you got to find a way within sneakers to make, a, make your own name, your lane, and something that you still do with sneakers, but it's not necessarily... Emphasis on launches and releases because y'all got that covered, period. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I have arrived to a place where I know who I am. I know my identity and I hope that it's perceived that way. And yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm having these conversations. Um, I'm executing my business acumen and even just model of how I talk to brands is just completely different years ago. And yeah, that's 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 where I'm at with it, man. This has been a very real and raw look at the evolution of sneaker media over the last 15 years. You know, I think all the uh, the challenges that you face at the shoe game, you know, sneaker news definitely faced as well. You know, there's a time where it's like we have so much manpower going into the dot com when you have some other account sending one dude posting a photo on social media and mm-hmm. their job is done. You know what I mean? And there's always like that seesaw balance of like, all right, what's right and what's wrong and Oh, what's considered a breaking story and what's not and whatever. And it's like, because, you know, everyone is so over-informed because of social media. Mm-hmm. It's like, if it's not first, then it doesn't matter. But I, I strongly disagree with that. I think first doesn't matter anymore. It's how well it's done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's not about like, who's going to feed me first, but how well is that plate going to be prepared? And I think like, there's a point to it. And I, and I can agree that, yeah, we would just had every other sneaker blog beat. There was no one that was beating us. And then once social media became huge and you know, like YouTubers and all that kind of stuff, it's like they were beating us to the punch. That's mm-hmm. why I was quickly shifting from like, okay, well, we're just going to continue doing our thing, staying consistent. You know, we're not going to fall down the, uh, you know, the TikTok lane where like, for example, like we could, like, for example, like not, not to go off too much on a tangent, but like, you know, video is obviously very big right now. You know, like you said, a lot of these big companies are not spending money on traditional advertising placements on .com. They're spending their money and their budget on making video and doing influencer partnerships and stuff like that. Uh-huh. That's why you see so many of these brands now shifting towards like these TikTok creators who will, you know, eat cereal out of their sneakers or something like that. And it's like, I get it. That has views. That's going to, you know, the brands see those numbers and they like those numbers, you know. So I think like it's almost going through like this palate cleansing right now, especially with what's happening with COVID where it's like, you know what? These brands can't throw these, you know, you know, over the top parties and, you know, get us drunk and, you know, feed us, you know, top quality food and just get us happy and send us a press release tomorrow morning. 
They can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. It's they have to get creative. They have to get smart. They have to refocus on who are the media partners that really mattered. You know, when Nike, Jordan, Adidas, New Balance, every brand needed their help to kind of sell shoes during a time where people are fucking dying outside. And all of a sudden, all these other big brands were now moving on to other social issues that were bringing them clicks, you know, such as Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. Like, where are they going to go? They came back to us. And you know what? We were always there because we actually give a fuck about shoes. We really care about it. You know, we're not like Bleach Report that came out of nowhere in 2016 and decided to talk about sneakers because that was like the hot thing right now. Right. And, you know, and you see ESPN's top headline over the last 24 hours was an Adidas shoe inspired by Damian Lillard's, you know, series winner over OKC. I'm like, that's not a story. That's fucking a Monday, 2.30 afternoon story for us. And now it's the top story. But I get it. I get it. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Not to go off too much on a tangent. But you know what? Like like I said, too late. But (laughs) but like I said, you know, it's, you know, you gave a very raw and real like look at the evolution of sneaker media. We're not invulnerable to all those pitfalls. You know, we go through those challenges. But I think that's part of like owning a business and running a business that is that's you have to be able to, you know, swat away the challenges or absorb the hits and then evolve and counterattack and then just kind of like move forward, you know? And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure what my point in it is here, but this is a classic John and G-Rock conversation where we just go off on 30-minute ciphers and then you go. It's just like, it's like a freestyle, like, cipher. That's basically what it is. And that's what this has come to. And you know what? I have my gripes about sneaker media and I have the things that I love too. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, this is my job. I get to talk about sneakers. You know, brands want to like, you know, give me inside info and stuff. They want us to, you know, honor this and do that. I'm like, there are worse things out there. Many, many worse things. So I don't really let it get to me too much, you know? That's facts. John, first of all, I love the rant. I think it's uh, super interesting. The oh, yeah. Not only the evolution of sneaker media, but the actual evolution of the sneaker world, you know, the the brands and the media and eBay. And obviously now you got all these aftermarket partners, mm-hmm. you know, that are kind of come in the players, you know, you got stadium goods, you got StockX, you got all these guys that are coming in and it's just become insane. You know, this thing has become, it went from billions to like tens of and twenties of billions almost, yeah. you know, it's just becoming huge. So you know, despite the money and despite the the success, right? Because at the end of the day, the shoe game has grown and you've kind of conquered everything. You're continuing to evolve and grow, which is great. But what are a few things that you've enjoyed the most? You know, there's obviously the camaraderie and the hunt and all these things. But to those listening, what are two or three things that you've really just enjoyed most in your 15 years? Hands down, relationships got to be number one, because it's amazing how sneakers are something that someone has a common interest in can connect, you know, saying, hence me and John's story about us. Uh, we could have just respected each other from afar and just dealt with each other accordingly, but like, we like legitimately rock with each other, like for real, for real. Um, so relationships first and foremost. And then I would say that freedom, creativity, and the flexibility uh, to be able to work from wherever and travel and just the different paths that I've, you know, yeah, and even, yeah, I'll just say travel that, that it's allowed me to go. Cause, you know, I, I never, ever, ever thought, like, even me being from the South, like, my thoughts of Oregon as a state was just the, the video. I don't know if y'all remember that old, old video game, and I'm, I'm probably revealing my age, but Oregon Trail. Y'all remember that? Like, that, yeah. that was my mindset of Oregon. Like, me being from the South, there's no reason to go to, like, what's in Oregon? But now you're working in the sneaker industry and the biggest sneaker maker in the world, they're headquartered out of Beaverton, which is right outside of Portland. 
And here I am like in a state that I never thought I would visit because of sneakers. So like I said, the, the journey in the past and the place that I've traveled because of sneakers. Like I went to Canada for the first time. Well, I don't say for the first time, but as an adult, I went to Toronto because of sneakers. Like, you know, so it was just crazy all the different places that I've gone and people that I've met, uh, whether they be athlete, celebrity, entertainer, whatever, are just real people, whether it was my peers are just people who was like, yo, I've been I've been reading your blog since I was in middle school and now they're like in their twenties or something like that. Like that's that's been super amazing for me to have these relationships and be able to travel and go different places and be in different people's faces and in just places that I feel like, how did I how did I get here? You know? It's crazy. It's unreal to be honest with you. Cause again, if you would have told me this back in two thousand six, I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. Like it's crazy. But we're not surprised. You know, I, I know we can speak to like just the way you carry yourself, the the amount of work you put in and just, you know, the content of your character, man. It, it's uh, it's not a shock. I mean, it's cool and it's cool to see it. It's crazy that we've all like loved sneakers since we were kids. And now here we are working in the industry where we can kind of shape the future of it, too. For sure. And I think I, I could definitely agree with G-Rock on that. I think, you know, no matter whatever you know measure of success that I think that I have earned from sneakers, the thing that I value the most is the relationships and the freedom, you know, it's really good to not really have to report to anyone, even though, you know, we may have those powers that be, but it's just being trusted, you know, and I think that's a real, real key. And, you know, I've never really worked in a firm corporate environment, so I don't know what it's like, but um, I can guarantee that the freedom is definitely a big part of that. So, but uh, yeah, you know, I just wanted to close and just say, you know, G Rock. You know, you and I have been friends for. You know what? It's the ten, it's almost the ten year anniversary of that CP3 trip. It was January two thousand eleven, so ten year anniversary, and we're here. We are almost ten, uh, a little over ten years later, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's been fun to see your journey from then till now, and just to hear about your story. And I think just everyone listening and hearing, you know, your climb from the early two thousands to now um, can definitely learn a lot. So you know, I really appreciate you sharing your story and getting you know very raw and real with uh, your views and on uh, something that you're pretty much an expert on, you know? I do appreciate y'all for having me on here. And I, pr- I appreciate those flowers, John, because I think that that's, that's something that I've been telling myself more and more. Um, I think it really hit when Gary passed. I was like, man, when he was alive, how many people told him what they wrote on their Instagram in the pictures with him or posting the picture of him? How many people told him that while he was alive? And I appreciate you for letting me know that because I think it's important for us as humans, not just in our industry, but just us as humans to tell these people why they are alive, how you feel about them. And it, and sometimes it doesn't have to be about ego or, you know, even if you want to tell them privately, but hell, tell them, you know, publicly, you know what I'm saying? Let the world know, yo, you know, and, and I'll, I'll say this, I know he isn't the most liked, but Rich Mays is a person who really kept me on my square when I first got started with TSG because I was looking at the stuff that he was doing with Kicks in the City. And I was like, damn, how the hell do I do that in Atlanta? You know, if I'm just keeping it real, I know he isn't the most liked amongst, you know what I'm saying, some of the ownership. But I had to at least tell him like, look, bro, you really helped and influenced me. And it's important for me to tell him that without having any ego. And, and I think that that's important us as men, us as humans, just to tell people like, bro, X, Y, Z, why you're still here. Because God forbid one of us can go tomorrow and everybody's writing and telling how awesome this person was. But you never told them that. You never told them because of the ego or the little pride. Or even if you got an issue with the person, they could have still influenced you. And I, I just think that we need to do a better job at that. So I said I want to do 
do more of that. And I got to stop procrastinating because I, I I had something just that's just small that I want to do, and, and hopefully it, it 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 takes on a life of its own where more of us can just do that. So I say that to say, John, I appreciate you for for saying that because, like I said, I, I've I've struggled and kind of fought with just feeling like the underdog and and, and a number of things that where I felt like may have been the cause of it. But uh, to have you and and the big homie. You know, what I'm saying that that's that sneaker news. You know, what I'm saying I I appreciate y'all like no doubt, and I I don't have no there's there's no reason for me not to give y'all props. Hell, we even gave y'all like sneaker blog of the year one year. We did like this little yearbook joint because at the end of the day, you just got to keep it real. Like y'all freaking killing it. You know, what I'm saying, and I'm okay saying that. Like I don't feel a way. I don't feel smaller or we're not that competitive. It's not like these rappers where it's like, bro, you know, this dude is getting off. But you gotta pretend that you didn't hear the album. Like I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna play games. I'm just gonna give props. So I want to encourage everybody listening, man. Give whoever their flowers ASAP because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And thank you, John. Again, I appreciate you, Jordan, as well. You're welcome, man. We appreciate that, man. We appreciate everything you've brought to the sneaker world and and the shoe game. And uh, and we appreciate you know everything you're gonna do into the future. And as you know, we'll we'll be here to support. So. Thank you for coming on and and uh, good luck to you in the future. I appreciate that, man. And I need y'all to let me have a, about a million followers, man. Y'all got y'all got some followers y'all can spare, man. Just give, give me give me a million. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> so that's it for this week's episode of Sneaker Salaries. But let's keep the conversation going online on our social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sneaker Salaries and hit us with a DM or a tweet. You can follow me personally on Instagram at John B E E J Kim. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Hagedorn. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there's a topic you want us to tackle or a guest you want us to have on, you can reach out to us at sneakersalariespod at gmail.com. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with your friends and help spread the word. And please show us some love by leaving a five-star rating and positive review so we can grow this podcast. Sneaker Salaries is a sneakernews.com and 137 p.m. partnership and a Gallery Media Group original production.